0: You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this fine Wednesday? As usual, we have Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. We got kind of a jam-packed show with Mike today. He's put out a couple lists on ProFootballFocus.com. I urge you to check those out. Um, The first list we're going to talk about are his top 25 offensive linemen of the year. And then just today, his Pro Bowl, not votes, but his uh, Pro Bowl rosters went out. So we're going to talk NFC and then we're going to talk AFC. Brought to you by DraftKings today. I'm going to tell you more about that. It's a big deal going on right now on the Locked On Network. Please check out the rest of the Locked On shows. Much, much going on around uh, around the network right now. And Mike, how are you, man? I'm doing
0: great, glad The season's winding down right for the playoffs here.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's right around the corner. And I want to talk about your top 25 linemen, offensive linemen. And before we do, I think it's kind of interesting where the state of this position is in the league. Like, you and I know all these names in the top 25. And really, if you're sort of tied in, they're they're pretty much household names, deserved names. I mean Teron Armstead at number one is a great, great player. But I think kinda gone are the days of the Jonathan Ogden, Baselli, Walter Jones, uh, Orlando Pace. You know, like the year I spent with the Browns, I was in charge of always of the of the NFC West. I always had to have a grade on everybody in those divisions. I watched every snap of Pace and Jones that year. And honestly, like half halfway through the game dudes would just stop rushing them because it was so fruitless, you know, that they were just unbelievable players They're the best player on the field week after week. And I don't know that any of these guys are in that category, like no brainer, Hall of Famers, superstar studs. No, I think
0: you're spot on. I don't think there's a single player right now who is in their prime and having a Hall of Fame type of career. The, the closest mm-hmm. was, you know, Tyron Smith, but, uh, injuries have just limited him so much over the past few years. Yeah, I don't know he's only 28 years old, uh, or maybe even 27. He's, he's still young, but I think we've already seen his prime pass him by because of how many injuries he suffered because of all of these uh, in the back and stuff, the nagging injuries. So Marshall Yanda similarly was in his prime probably three or four years ago, had a possible Hall of Fame contention, you know, Hall of Fame career, but has past that as well. So we just don't really see anyone. Maybe Zach Martin, but even him has had injuries this year as well. So I don't think we're really seeing the best of the best of any, uh, you know, individual offensive lineman at this point.
1: Yeah, I I think there's several reasons for it. First of all is, well, to take it a step further, I do think Joe Thomas was that guy and he just -hmm. just moved on, obviously. I think Jason Peters was in that conversation through the majority of his career, but is hanging on by duct tape right now. And I often said that Dallas – you know, like the 70s Raiders might have three future Hall of Famers there. But this year, kind of like you said, has derailed that.
0: Yeah, and Frederick's hurt Mm -hmm. um, in the middle there. Uh, Martin is at his injuries, probably going to be out a while here. So, really no one that's I mean, even Armstead playing fantastically, he's had injuries as well. So there's no really no one putting together a season where you'd point to and say, yeah, that guy's obviously, you know, quite easily the best offensive lineman in the league.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go on a little tangent here back to my recruiting days. But back in the day when I was at Pitt, the hardest thing to find was true stud defensive tackles. You know, like every year there was, you know, at Pitt we knew we weren't going to beat Michigan on guys or Ohio State on guys very, very rarely or Penn State even. But there was really only like 10 defensive tackles coming out of high school that were, you know, true studs. You were know, five-star mm-hmm. guys that went to, and they always went to the big schools. I mean, like, they it wasn't an, an accident. But then those big schools end up getting a couple of those, and then you say, hey, Orlando Pace, why don't you go to left tackle and be the first overall pick? And nowadays, I just think kids aren't as excited to do that. You know, that the it's, it's much flashier to be a defensive lineman. And I often say, in my lifetime, the discrepancy between big men on defense, athletic ability, is so much greater than the, the than the discrepancy on offense. Now, there's a huge gap there. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's, it goes
0: back to the nature of the position. Once you know, one has these sexy statistics, sacks, sex, and mm-hmm. every play, you're basically you know getting to do whatever you want. The other is the other is basically like you're playing basketball, and, but you can't play offense on basketball. You get to play defense on basketball the whole game, but you don't get to you know ever shoot the ball. That's kind of what it is, on like right, the right. Offensive line versus defensive line.
1: Yeah, nice. That's a good analogy. And uh, taking it a step further too, I think that it's common knowledge now that offensive linemen don't come to the league nearly as prepared either. You know, because of the spreads. You know that there, it used to be you got a guard out of Michigan, he knew how to run block, and you teach him mm-hmm. how. You know, Now. They all start from scratch. A lot of the guys have never even put their hand on the ground. So I think it's a harder jump for the young guys.
0: Yeah, we've seen that in our grading as well. Just so, so few offensive linemen come in and actually make a difference as rookies. So yeah, few right. can actually you know play the position at
1: an NFL level right away. Um, speaking of which, the the rookie that didn't make your list that I think has a chance to be in this conversation is the stud guard from the Colts? Obviously, I mean, do you do you see him as potentially? I mean, it's only been a year, but do you yeah, look at I, him? Yeah, I would
0: say even if you took out the first handful of weeks of the season, he would have made it. But he, he did have a little bit of struggles right away, right at the gate. But I think at this point, over what we've seen from him, um, you know, ever since then, he's been one of the best guards in the league.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he has a chance to be. In that conversation of, of but not an all-time great, but maybe, I mean, but be a mm-hmm. perennial Yonda-type guy, Hutchinson-Fanica-type dude.
0: Yeah, I called him as much coming out. I said, I'd predict he goes into the Hall of Fame if he stays healthy for his career. So, with fingers crossed on that one.
1: Yeah, that's funny. That's, that's one thing I do every year, too, is if I had to put a chip down on... Any player in each draft class to go to the Hall of Fame, who would I pick? And he was my choice as well. Him and Barkley were my two choices, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, Miles Garrett was the year before. It's usually not that hard to figure out, but it's still yeah. kind a of fun, fun way of looking at it. Last O-line note. There's three Rams and three Eagles on this list. That's the most for any team. The Packers have two. A couple other teams have two. Um, these seasons are going in drastically different directions, though. And, and oh, by the way, it comes out today... Just a couple minutes ago, Carson Wentz is out for this week. And my hunch is he's going to get shut down for the rest of the year. Makes me wonder how healthy he's been since day one. Yeah, it, it's the – it was line, really the
0: – sort of the step back they have took has been a little overblown. A lot of it, Jason Peters has not played close to what we saw from the season ago. That's been a big part of it. But those guys are still – Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson – still playing at a pretty high level. So I, I do think uh there are issues – aren't solely related to the offensive line this year. Like you mentioned, Wentz being hurt, the defense is atrocious in the secondary. So those have been far bigger issues than than the offensive line.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the line is still a foundational piece for the Eagles. You agree with that, even if Peters is no longer around?
0: Yeah, I mean, they probably still need to address that because Big V's not necessarily the guy I want as the left tackle of the future. But I, I do think it's still... One strength of the team.
1: You think they're one guy away, though? There's one hole in the line. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Assuming Peters is, can't be counted on. Um, I, I mentioned before we are brought to you by DraftKings. I'm going to go in a little spiel here because this is sort of a different situation than some of our other sponsors. Is I signed up, and I also signed up all of you. Well, I didn't sign up all of you, but if you follow me on Twitter, at WilliamsonNFL, I've been tweeting out a link where you can play with and against me in – a league that I set up on DraftKings, where the one that I set up right now is you pick six dudes for the Thursday night game with a uh, with a uh, you know a salary cap like they always do for daily fantasy. So jump on that now. You know you can play against me. You can see the guys that I picked, all that good stuff. So bragging rights and huge cash prizes are up for, up for grabs this weekend and all season long at DraftKings, which of course is the leader of one-week fantasy sports. We're talking about over $1.5 million of total prizes. I mean, one-week fantasy at DraftKings. You choose when you play. Draft a new team every week with no season-long commitment. I mean, if your your fantasy team is crushed but you still want to play, hop on at DraftKings. You know, that's a beautiful thing at DraftKings because you are the GM. You just choose your players. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Do it week after week, or you can do it for single games, whatever you want to do. Uh, no matter what your skill level is, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. You know, you can just wager a couple bucks or much, much more if you want. So if you're thinking about trying one-week fantasy football, now is the time to play. Because nothing makes fan- F- Football Sunday more exciting when you have DraftKings line up on, on the line. I mean, it makes it a lot more fun. There's no doubt about that. And you can play free with your first deposit to, complete, to compete for your share of over one, $1. $1.5 million in total prizes. So... Here's what you do. The minimum deposit is five bucks. I think all of you guys could throw five bucks at this. You know, I think you can handle that. Um, there are some eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for those details. But go to DraftKings.com or download the app today. Use it locked on, all one word, all caps, to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over one and a half million dollars in total prizes. That's code locked on, all one word, all caps, only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. And like I mentioned, please go check out my Twitter feed. I'll keep pumping them out. If you want to get in that league for the great Thursday night game we got coming up, you can see my lineup. I'm not going to reveal that at the moment, though. All right, we are returning. And as promised, Mike just put out what he would have as the, what, December 12th, 12, 1212? 12, 12, um, Pro Bowl teams, and I'm just going to buzz through these real quick. I'm um, not. I'm going to list every name, but I'm not going to dispute or talk about every name. You can t- go to the article and read what he had to say about all of them. And if you, and Mike, if there's something you were like torn on, and there's a couple notes I made where I have some questions or concerns with your choices, we're going to do that. But the quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the NFC are Breeze, Rogers, Goff. I thought about Russell Wilson. I mean, I think Russell Wilson's a better player than Goff, but I don't know if he's having a better year.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, is, was the crux of the argument. Goff's last two weeks, terrible. I mean, there's no right. sure it. He's been bad. But it's a full season. He was dominant for the purse like, basically half of the year. Uh, and it's a, you know, like I said, a full season sort of honor. So he ends up getting the slight nod. But, I, again, I don't think some of the things in our grading system can capture what Wilson does, especially in what he can do for the running game in Seattle, about how they utilize him as a running threat and what that does. So uh, I'm not sure if you went either one, you'd actually be wrong. You know, they're both deserving.
1: All right. Here's what I need people to pay attention to. Actually, it's kind of a no brainer, right? I mean, the running backs of the NFC, we got Zeke Elliott, we got Gurley and McCaffrey. Actually, none of those made the <laughs> list. <laughs> What are you talking about? No one made the list out of McCur- McCaffrey, Gurley, and Zeke. Kamara's on the list. Well, Saquon's on the say. list. And, okay, Someone's those gonna are be. awesome. But Chris Carson's yeah. on the list.
0: The Chris Carson one was the one that is the debatable one by any you know, stretch. Anyone would uh That's when probably, people are out there flagging,
1: I'm sure. Yeah. Right.
0: Going either Gurley or McCaffrey over, but. Carson's sort of rate stats have been just much better than those two in terms of broken tackles yards after contact and the run blocking in front of him has not been, he's had the worst run blocking in front of him of all of those guys. Now at the same time, it doesn't affect maybe the passing game as much as either of them. But I do think that uh, what he's done as a runner has been more impressive than the other two, even if you know, the other two are more household names.
1: Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. I I couldn't jump to that far of a, uh Carson believer, but I do hear what you're saying. Kyle mm-hmm. Yuscheck, I'm sure, stands alone as a fullback. They're paying him big money. They use him a lot. He sees the field a lot. Great. The receivers are stacked. I mean, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Adam Thielen, and the guy that I think is actually having the best year of any receiver in the lead is just on tape alone, Odell Beckham.
0: Yeah, I mean this is this group of receivers is an all time group, you know, to some degree. this is one of the best, uh, you know, Pro Bowl rosters we've seen at the receiver position. Just all legit stud number one, you know, all sort of in the conversation for best receiver in the NFL right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the way Thielen started the season, I mean, it's unbelievable. Julio's going to Hall of Fame. Um, the tight ends in the NFC are George Kittle, which is, if you guys don't realize, he might be the best tight end in the league. I've been saying that for a couple of weeks. But here's where one I, I think people are going to jump out of their skin is Zach Ertz was left off the list for oj howard i love howard i think he's the next great one in that class in the joku engram class and mm-hmm. he was really really good this year but Zach Ertz is on the list yeah this one was tough i mean
0: Ertz has been fantastic but a lot of it has just been he's getting so many more targets than anyone else he's not sure. doing a ton with them you know anyone in that sort of philadelphia system would be producing kind of the way he is it's just he hasn't done anything special. His yards after the catch is almost, you know, non-existent. I think he's averaging like 3.1 yards after the catch per uh and compared to OJ Howard, who was averaging over twice that, and just on a per you know snap basis. The fact was he just wasn't getting on the field as much as Ertz was getting wasn't seeing as many targets, but was far more productive when he did see the targets, far more productive on first snap. So that's why we went Howard. Obviously he's on IR now and won't mm-hmm. be playing the rest of the year, but like you said, I think he is poised to join once he starts, you know, probably next year, the that elite group of tight ends.
1: Yeah. And we're, I'm going to skip offensive linemen for both sides because we did mm-hmm. talk offensive linemen for the first segment. And I want you to go check out Mike's article on Pro Football Focus anyway. Um, Demarcus Lawrence and Cameron Jordan probably aren't as well known as they should be. And I guess Brandon Graham's in that conversation, too. But anyone that pays any attention should know that those are Pro Bowl caliber defensive ends.
0: Yeah, all three of those guys are probably more disruption than natural production. You know, their sacks mm, numbers aren't it. always going to be indicative of basically how impactful they are on a per-snap basis. All three of those guys run and pass. Are just It's just tough to block them. They, they basically win every interaction they're a
1: part of. A defensive tackle, I love that Kenny Clark is on this list. He's another up-and-comer. that people might not know, realize how good he's been. Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox are the easiest two. to You know, that, that's a slam dunk. And do they stand alone? I know Donald stands alone as best defensive tackle in the league. It, it feels like more and more the Cox is like clearly number two. Yeah, I, if there wasn't, you know, if Aaron Donald didn't
0: exist, we took him out of the equation. Mm-hmm. I think people would sort of talk about Fletcher Cox the way people talk about Aaron Donald in terms of he's just head and shoulders above the third best defensive tackle. But that's the crazy part is Aaron Donald's head and shoulders above Fletcher Cox, so that tells you about how good he is as well.
1: Yeah, right. It's historic. It makes me crazy that the Pro Bowl does this, but outside linebackers <laughs> are Khalil yeah. Mack, Preston Smith, and DeMario Davis. Um, <laughs> Khalil Mack and DeMario Davis are not at all the same beast. It makes me nuts that they do that. I have no problem with the guys you picked. I was really happy to see Preston Smith on that list. I mean, he's not a real dynamic player, but I like him. I liked him coming out of school, and I think he's been a valuable guy for the Skins.
0: Yeah, I think the Redskins had a sort of underrated pass rushing duo there. And underrated just defensive front in general. I think uh, both him and, uh, gosh, Ryan Kerrigan can impact both run and pass. And he's really developed over the years, Preston Smith. Pretty much every year we've seen his grade go up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is probably the strongest group in the whole world, is Bobby Wagner and Luke Kuechly at Inside Linebacker. Like, to me, they're both Hall of Famers. It's time to start comparing them to Ray Lewis and Erlacher as opposed to their contemporaries.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think both are on a Hall of Fame trajectory. And even from the grading standpoint, they've been 1-2 for probably four straight years now in terms of just no one's has close to them, and they're playing the linebacker position just differently from anyone else. And the crazy thing is Wagner has still has not missed a tackle this season. Wow. Under five attempts, zero misses wow. that we have for him. So um, he's as reliable as he gets.
1: We got Kyle Fuller, Byron Jones, widely known as having a great year. Patrick Peterson, who is going down to me as a potential Hall of Fame type guy. And Prince of Bucamara. I mean, to me, that was a little bit of a shock. Um, I've noticed that he has been playing well for sure, but that's certainly good to see one more stud for the Bears, which leads me to the safeties. I happened to mention yesterday that I am falling in love with Eddie Jackson. I didn't realize he was your highest graded NFC safety, but it looks like by a wide margin he's a stud, man. And the other guys you have with him are Swearinger and John Johnson. Um, Harrison Smith is a name that isn't on here, but he hasn't stood up, stood out like he usually does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eddie Jackson. It really is like he is and pretty really much anything good. they ask him to do there in Chicago. He can execute and his breaks on the football are, I mean, they're about as good as I've seen in recent memory. You know, Earl Thomas esque in terms of how he reads the quarterback's eyes and knows where basically has that sixth sense of knowing where the ball's going before it gets there. Uh, he's just been fantastic. And like I said, he has more touchdowns scored this year uh,
1: than he's given up. Yeah, he's going to go to a lot of Pro Bowls. He's a great, great player. And certainly benefits from those around him. But he'd be great if he threw him anywhere. If he was a Raider, he'd be a great player. Um, We're going to take another quick break and then we're going to buzz through the AFC. A couple things to bring up here, too. So give me just a minute and we will finish up with the AFC. All right, AFC quarterbacks. Of course, Mahomes on the list. Tom Brady isn't, and I commend you for not putting him on, although I think he's coming off his best game. Phillip Rivers, to me, has outplayed him. Andrew Luck has outplayed him. So, such is life. I mean, you don't just automatically get, you know, a Pro Bowl vote because you're Tom Brady.
0: Yeah, it is tight, and I do think Brady probably actually ends up making the actual Pro Bowl, but... I think on paper, and you am just basically watching through the tape. Rivers and Luck have outplayed him. I mean, Mahomes quite obviously, but Rivers mm-hmm. is having his best season his career, and then Luck is sort of a—I don't think he's all the way back to the guy we saw before. But I think this offense is just much better suited to him than the guy we saw before—the the offense that we saw before in Indianapolis—and obviously has a lot better offensive line now. And I think all that sort of come together to see Luck just
1: basically. Uh, Being back, having one of his best statistical seasons here. Yeah, I 100% agree. Running backs in the AFC are interesting because pretty much any of those NFC guys I listed I think would have made it in the AFC. Melvin Gordon's the only slam dunk, but I want all you guys to think. I mean, buzz through the AFC in your head right now. Hit pause on the podcast and tell me who else is a Pro Bowl running back in the AFC. I don't think anyone else is deserved. You took Chubb, who I think is going to be great, but he wasn't even really the man to begin the season. Derrick Henry, who obviously was pretty good this past week. But, I mean, the other names I came up with were Lindsey and Mixon. And I think Mixon's better than these guys, but I don't know if he's having a better year.
0: Yeah, I, I could have gone. I was thinking Lindsey or Mixon. I could have gone either way. Uh, ended up going with the grading with Chad. Uh, Henry there at third. But, like you mentioned, the... This compared to the, I think the top five running backs this season, all in probably the NFC at this point. It's just it's been uh, not a great not a great year in the AFC for runners.
1: Quick question on Henry: Like, if you were a fantasy owner of Henry, are you buying him and you putting him in your lineup from here on out? I mean, obviously he's not going to do what he did against the Jags, but do you think he's legit? I mean, do you think that's sign of things to come?
0: I do not. Truthfully, yeah. I've never been. I've never been a fan. Right. Yeah. What we saw was ridiculous. I mean, that was one of the most absurd performances I've ever seen in a single game at the running back position. But at the same time, the Jags had a lot to do with that. You know, the, that's been their M.O. Oh, much of the season. And they've basically had they've given up for a while now. Jacksonville, it seems like so. Uh, yeah, I would not be all in on him as a you know fancy option going forward.
1: Okay. Uh, keeping up the trend here on fullbacks, we got Andy Janovich. No sweat at that. No problem there at all. Wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill are no-brainers to me. Um, I have no problem with Ty, you know, T.Y. Hilton either. I think he's a much better player than he gets credit for. I know he's having a down year by his standards, but someone close to heart, I think A.B. is as good on tape as he's ever been but just getting a lot more attention without Lev Bell out there.
0: Now, yeah, I'm not, sure, I'm not even sure it's the more attention. Roethlisberger has oh, missed him it's unbelievable. more than I've ever seen. Like yeah. it, it is at a rate uh, – Roethlisberger is grading out his worst season in a while, even though the numbers are still look good on paper. He's just missed so many wide-open throws.
1: And his bad uh, throws are to Brown.
0: Yeah, and well, especially awful, early in the awful attempts. Yeah, uh, he has 10 picks throwing to Antonio Brown, which is – Wow, uh, I think that might be the most we've ever seen to one single player. So uh, that's just, that's basically indicative of, uh, yeah, and Tony Brown thinks lost a step by any means. It's just
1: Roethlisberger. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, Kelsey's an easy one at tight end. Jared Cook's coming off a big game, certainly deserving. Told you I'm going to skip the the offensive lineman. You need to go check out his article for that. Um, defensive ends, J.J. Watt is back. I, hear, I see you putting him right here, comeback player of the year. That's an easy one. Maybe he's not quite to the Aaron Donald level. He was two or three years ago, but he's a superstar. I love the of Jerry Hughes and Chris Jones on here. I mean, I, I think that those guys are very good players that don't get the recognition they deserve. Yeah.
0: Hughes has always been a good player. I, he's sort of been stuck in Buffalo mm-hmm. where no one really gets to hear about him, but, uh and he also, he rushes off the left tackle. He's one of the few of the top edge defenders. Most of them go up against right tackles consistently, which, there's just a lot fewer good right tackles in the NFL than there are left tackles and Hughes consistently rushes against left tackles. And so it's a tougher job. And so for him to be playing, you know, as well as he has, uh, it's just that, you know, that little bit much more impressive when you're doing it against the left side. I think Chris Jones, he's not really playing the same position that why Hughes are, he's rushing on the interior, but man, he's, he's getting into that, uh, conversation for the next best behind, uh, Fletcher Cox there in terms of the interior defenders. He's just, so disruptive in terms of what he can do.
1: Ultra talented. And the defensive tackles are hard to argue with. Jarrell Casey, he is your best grade of the three. Again, no one realizes that he's a superstar, but he's a superstar. Cam Hayward's having another very strong year. Geno Atkins, I think, is probably also in that discussion as the number three defensive tackle when you look mm-hmm. at the whole body of work. Um, g- outside linebackers, again, they make me crazy because Darius Leonard is nothing like Von Miller or D Ford. But... No qualms with any of those outside linebacker defensive tackles. I mean, I don't know who else you'd even consider. Yeah, the D Ford thing is interesting to touch on because
0: 63.5 in our system. He has 89.7 this year. It's like there's another, you know, it's it's obviously a contract year, and people are going to say that, but mm-hmm. he's had stretches. You know, he had that one stretch a few years back where he had, well, seven sacks in three games or something. He's had stretches of elite play before. I don't know when, how it comes and goes. What's like? What's the determining factor there? But uh, he's playing out of his mind right now. I'd be terrified to sign him as a free agent though. This
1: <laughs> offseason, <soft> <laughs> right? Absolutely. And I'm sure the Chiefs' offense helps his cause too. Where, dude, play yeah, play of- the I'm pass. Yeah, play yeah. the pass. The inside linebackers. I bet people don't even know who these two dudes are in the AFC. Joe Schubert and Jaden Brown. Um, but I really scanned my noodle trying to find who else I would put out there, and I'm not trying to slight those two, but the Jags dudes haven't been as good. CJ Mosley, no, you know, like uh, the AFC yeah. second level guys aren't that great.
0: Yeah, that was the I was looking, I was looking up the rosters, and I'm like, this is really the inside linebacker crap. There's probably more an outside linebacker that would have made it, but just how it was listed on the Pro Bowl website, I was like, ugh, this just wasn't good. No, Schober, though, Schober, though has been. Very good this season. Jam Brown's really come on strong as well. Schrobert, I thought, was good last year, except for just got put in some tough positions by Greg Williams in that scheme. But he's very good uh, playing in space uh, this season.
1: Yeah. Corner, we'll finish up here at the secondary. Desmond King has really been good for the Chargers. Stephon Gilmore has been following number ones. He might be a little banged up. That's something just to notice when he comes to Pittsburgh here. Kareem Jackson's kind of revived his career And Chris Harris is obviously out for the year in a massive loss for Denver. Um, The safeties, Micah Hyde, really good player. But I'm in love with Jamal Adams and Derwin James. And it wouldn't shock me, we talked about Hall of Famers earlier, that if these two end up being like this generation's Paul Amalu and Ed Reed.
0: Would not shock me. They are both, they're almost the same player. I mean, just watch them on tape. They're so similar in terms of what they can do. Blitz, you know, uh, stop the run. Play. They're basically, if they wanted to both be linebackers, they'd be elite linebackers as well in terms of their skill set. They wanted to be corners, they'd probably be elite corners as well because they're just that talented in terms of what they can do. And that's why both their teams in L.A. and New York sort of use them in every single role and every, anything basically the defense needs at any you know time of the game. They'll utilize them that and they can all execute. It's pretty ridiculous, their skill sets.
1: Yeah, they're perfect for today's NFL. I mean, match up on Kelsey or play zone or mm-hmm. blitz or, you know, guard McCaffrey one on one or do whatever you want. And I also love the way the style of play both bring to the table, but the leadership that Adams obviously exudes too. Like, this is going to be his defense for a very long time.
0: Yeah, I love the pick when they made it and. I love it even more now. He's been basically as advertised, and what I thought he'd be coming out, which is you know always nice, nice. to see.
1: No doubt about it, Mike. This was fun. I, I loved buzzing through these. A couple ones I had issue with, but you defended yourself very well. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I urge everyone to read all of it, all the uh, the stuff that Mike's got going at Pro Football Focus. It's a great site as well. And check out the, what we got going on at DraftKings. I told you about earlier. Go go follow me on Twitter at Williamson NFL. Mike, what's your Twitter? I'm, I just assume people are following you, but I'll we'll, we'll just let them know too while they're following Twitter people. Uh,
0: at pff underscore Mike. Good stuff.
1: All right, we will get back next Wednesday with Mike, and tomorrow we have Mike Sando, so that'll be a blast as always. So over and out.